Should we banish them? From, should we banish them from the land? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to And the Winner Is. We are your hosts. I'm Joey. And I'm Jen. And this is a podcast about things we like. And things we don't. What's today's topic? Uh, it's the Harry Potter movies. Harry Potter movies. And I know you had an opening statement that you wanted to make. <laughs> <laughs> As you called it. As Yes. Well, I was just going to say that when ranking these movies, that I did my best not to judge them necessarily on plot alone. Which I feel like that'd be more on the books. Um, but I wanted to include movie elements. Yes, we're yeah. not talking about the books at all. I think my list for top Harry Potter movies is very different from my list of top Harry Potter books. Agreed. So they're two totally different animals, and I don't think it's fair to compare them, which I think a lot of people do. Or a lot of people say, like, the movies aren't as great because the books were so much better. And I feel like with these... They're too, you can't judge them that way. And while that might be true. Well, it might yeah. be true that obviously the books are much better, but it's not fair to compare them in an apples to apples fashion. So we're going to do our best not to talk about books. Yeah. This is all movie plot and content. Yeah. Yes. At least I'll do my best. So these are also very important and near and dear to my heart. I used to go to the midnight openings. To these movies and, and to the books. Well, we are very lucky to have lived in the time where we were about the same age as the Harry Potter kids. Yeah. So we were like growing up and experiencing the same things that they were. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know that there, I'm sure there will exist another phenomenon like Harry Potter at some point, but to have been like in the exact correct age group, like going to the midnight releases and experiencing all the hype. It's just how lucky we are to be alive. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> to have been part of the Harry Potter hype. Yeah. Which will never die. I, I, do I wonder feel like if it won't. Within our lifetime, if there will be another series of books that were that huge in scope. I know, because others tried. And like other, and the, you know, like and the Hunger a, Games tried and the Twilight movies tried, which yeah. they were very, big very, very big and very popular, but I feel nothing like on capture... the scale of Harry Potter. I mean, there's, a, there's Harry Potter World. There's like a whole online community dedicated to this. Pottermore? Pottermore. Pottermore yeah. yeah. And there's the new Fantastic Beast movies, which is another reason that this topic is so relevant. Mm. Because the next movie, Fantastic oh, Beast and Where to Find Them, The Crimes of Grindelwald, comes out in just a couple weeks. Oh, can't wait for so, that. I'm excited. We're just beginning the Harry Potter hype now so we can get into the mindset <laughs> so we can watch that movie. With just as much excitement. Well, let's get into it then. So we're not actually ranking right now. We're just walking through all of the movies. And at the end, we'll talk about our favorites or we'll do our top five or we'll like, or just rank all of them, all yeah, eight. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Well, it's Sorcerer's not, Stone. Yeah, it's called the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> Here in America. <laughs> Here in America. Was it called... The Philosopher's Stone, the movie? Or was that just the book? I'm, I would assume that in the UK it was probably Philosopher's Stone. I don't know that, oh, though. Oh, man, we've already got questions. We've We're like <laughs> a minute in and we don't even know. Questions that need answering. <laughs> um, yes, well, it came out 
a sorcerer's stone, as I'm going to call it, because I'm American and I read okay. <laughs> I read the American book and saw the American movie. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> but you are very European, so so, so true. <laughs> um, came out in 2001, so we were th- like 13, which was great time. That is good. Great time. time in our lives. I think I saw it with my mom. I don't know who I saw it with. Probably your mom. I hope with your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Okay, so this is the first one with the introduction of Hedwig's theme, and this is one of my favorite musical themes uh, or musical pieces for a movie ever. And it's got to be one of John Williams' best. I feel like this would make any top list for movie themes. I think this is so funny because you're talking about John Williams as if everyone should know who John Williams is. Is he John- the one who like wrote it? Yeah, he's the composer. And he oh. did, like, Star Wars, and he did Jaws, and E.T., and he did a bunch of movies. Okay, so he is someone that people should know. Yeah, he's... he's Unlike, I don't, I never know anything about music. No, <laughs> that's just fine. But he's a big name, uh, big name composer, and this is just a, an amazing piece. It's so iconic. The second it plays, you know you're listening to Harry Potter. It's called Hedwig's, Hedwig's Song? Hedwig's Theme, yeah. Oh, interesting. Which is interesting, yeah, yeah. I do wonder why it's like, oh, Hedwig's... Is it because it's like... Don't they show the owl flying in, like, in the beginning? Uh, Yeah, I think he does fly across the screen in the intro. So I read that it took six months to teach the owls how to fly in with the letters in their mouths. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And I also read that all of the letters were handwritten by, like, people in the art department. And then they discovered that the letters were too heavy for the owls to hold. So they had to rewrite all of them on lighter paper. Oh, no. Isn't that awful? And then it took six months to teach the owls how to carry them. It's like at that point, it's like, is it really worth it? It's probably worth it. <laughs> I mean, their budgets are so huge for these Hollywood movies. Yes. Uh, okay. Second thing that I like about it is it's so... This is the start of a train for the rest of the movies that is just gets better and better. But I just feel like... They really nailed the casting right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. What perfect casting for the three kids, Ron, Harry, and Hermione. It's just the perfect casting. Not to mention, um, I thought Malfoy was great. He's so sneaky. He's just such, plays such an annoying, <laughs> annoying so kid. so annoying. Oh. It's like and, you know right away that first scene where he's talking to Harry like in the stairwell. You just know that he's one of the bad evil kids. Oh, you just know. It's like yeah. that slicked back hair oh, yeah. and his like cronies. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Crab and Goyle. And then the adults, the adults even outdo the kids. Dumbledore, Snape, Hagrid, and Professor McGonagall are all... A-plus rock stars. A-plus rock stars. Um, and I guess we'll, we'll probably come back to all of those rock stars, but... Uh, boy, yes, yeah, Snape in particular, Alan Rickman... It's just... Well, and it's really incredible that every single actor stays with all eight movies, with the exception of Richard Harris, because he passed away. Yeah. Otherwise, they, they're all the same. And he's so good. He, that's, he's like, he captures the, the mystery and the grandfatherly Santa Claus feeling that I have when I think of Dumbledore. Yeah, like, and, like, the real, like, you can just tell looking at him, like, he knows magic. He knows magic, He is, like, a magical being. He's got, like, that cloak with the stars on it, and it's just, like, he's, he knows stuff. That's a wizard. Um, And then, 
Uh, one of the other things that I like is that it has probably the best poster artwork. <laughs> oh my by, god! By Drew Struzan, <laughs> who does also does. He did the uh, he does like Star Wars, and I think he did Indiana Jones. He does the mm. kind of like the painted uh, slash yeah. illustrated drawings. He did the covers for this and Chamber of Secrets, I think. And then yeah, I think they so just good. like went to like photography. Photography, yeah, because they're lame. Yeah. Um, things that I would like to mention, um, like scenes that stand out to me, is the Sorting Hat scene. Oh yes, is just like having the interaction with the sorting hat and like being able to make that decision on like which house you're going into. I thought they did that really well. Ah, that seems like that would have been hard to, to, to do well, but they did that really well too. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wingardium Leviosa scene when they're learning how to make objects fly around the room and <laughs> Hermione is just teaching Ron a lesson about how to pronounce things. And it's just like the perfect introduction to like what their relationship is going to be like the next eight movies. <laughs> oh, I had, yeah, I, I wrote down quotable. And that was one of the quotes that I wrote down. <laughs> the other being, you're a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> and he doesn't even say that actually, does he? Does He says, no, I think he does. does he? Okay. I thought he maybe just said, you're a wizard or something. Oh, I don't, I thought, I think he says his name. Okay. Okay. Also the troll fight. Is, oh. is great when there's, there's the, troll. the troll in the dungeon and then Hermione makes up the excuse and says that she went down there to fight the troll. And that's like really the start of their friendship. Because what happened, isn't it the Wingardium Leviosa scene? And then like Hermione feels really sad because she overhears Ron making fun of her. Oh yeah. And then she goes to cry in the bathroom. And then the troll comes in and then they go and save her. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The troll, the great unifier. <laughs> the real hero. The real hero of this film, or all eight of these films. One thing that I do have a problem with, I know I said we weren't going to talk about the books, but one thing that they did not include in this movie that I feel like they should have is when they're going through all of the different obstacles to get to like the end to where the Sorcerer's Stone is. Yeah, They left out the potion riddle. And that bums me out <laughs> so much because it's so good. And there's another, I will be talking about another riddle that they left out at one point. It's like they, they're anti-riddle in these <laughs> movies. But it's like, again, where you just see Hermione is just so much smarter. And without her, they would just be totally screwed. Oh, they'd be totally screwed. But I was bummed that they didn't include that in the movie. Uh, yes, the issues that I have with this movie, I guess, I guess it's a double-edged sword. Because uh, I think I think it's a little too kid focused, and I think it's a, a little bit too juvenile, uh, and that it lacks the darkness and the complexity of the other movies. I, you know, I guess they're, t- they're how old were they when they did this? Ten or something? Ten or eleven? But I feel like it does a good job of building the darkness. Yeah. Throughout the series, because the first one wasn't that dark. Like everything's good in the wizarding world. Yeah. At this point. And that's kind of the, I guess, the double-edged sword side of it. It's it's perfect for families. It's really innocent. It's really magical. Like, when I think of, like, magic, magic, you know, Disney magic, mm-hmm. I think of this movie. Well, and it's the, first, it's the first movie, so it really brings the world to life. Yeah. It's like setting the stage for what you're going to experience over the next 10 years of your life, because it took them 10 <laughs> years to make these movies. I do find it charming, but I find it charming in, like, the... The old movie kind of charming, like Home mm-hmm. Alone charming. I don't, I, it doesn't have a huge replay value for me. Like, I wouldn't want to re rewatch this outside of maybe this time of year. I know. It's one of those, like, 
if I want to watch a Harry Potter marathon, I'm probably going to start at movie three. <laughs> I'm yeah, just going like, to skip oof. over Do I want to watch Sorcerer's Stone yeah. and Chamber of Secrets. Okay, my fun fact for this is that apparently you can see the scar change positions throughout the movie. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so annoying. That's super annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, just pick a spot and just keep it there. Yeah. Um, I don't have fun facts for every film, but I do have one for this one. And it is that Harry doesn't cast a single spell for the duration of the entire first what? movie. <laughs> <laughs> a movie about a wizard, a young wizard, no spells. No spells. Like he does like wandless things, like making the glass disappear yeah. with the snake. And then like when he's holding the wand in Ollivanders and like there's wind and light and music. Like That's I'm the- sure that music doesn't actually start playing. It just happens for us. The but sign of a true wizard. No wand. Yeah, so he never says, like, an actual incantation out loud, which I think is very interesting. I feel like that's the, that's the sign. That's the tell. It's like, okay, this kid... That's the tell about he's Harry. Like- he's so average. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's not a great wizard. Yeah, he's just going to leave it to Hermione. Exactly. Why do this when Hermione is going to take yeah, care of this for me? Like, my buddy's going to get me out of this. I feel like he's, like, the ultimate delegator without realizing he's a delegator. Yeah. He's like a good leader, yeah. a good face for the revolution, but he actually has no power. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Chamber of Secrets, Chamber moving of Secrets, on. Chamber of Secrets, yeah. Movie two. Um, this one, this is the one where I feel like, you know, suddenly you realize not everything in the wizarding world is okay. Like you're introduced to Draco Malfoy's dad. And it's like, oh, this guy's slimy and gross, and he's got this little house elf Dobby that he's really mean to. So you can see that there's darkness in the world that you haven't really... Boy, is that guy a good dresser. Oh, yeah, he's sharp. (laughs) I want to be, like, a part of the Malfoy family. (laughs) Like, just go to their house and, like, use all their stuff. And they just seem terrible, but they've got great style. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the introduction of Dobby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dobby kind of annoys me a little bit. In the movies, he's awful. Yeah, he's he. I find him rather annoying. But I do like the end scene where the the, the freeing scene, where he says he's free and he gets this he gets the sock. Master has presented Dobby with a sock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could quote all of these. Um, so I do like that. I also like the. Um, I guess I find the whole thing quite humorous like there's a lot of humor in this one overall i don't find it too different than the first one it's kind of like it's very it's just an extension yeah it's just like eh, here's the first one it's episodic it's like, it's like chris columbus was the director right yeah and so he was just like there's episode the first one, one's not broke two. let's not fix it let's exactly. do exactly what we did and i feel like that's the problem with this one because there's just too much going on it's like they tried to cover every single item that happened in the book in the movie and it, to me, it doesn't translate very well. Yeah, they didn't adapt it well enough. For, yeah, it for wasn't. Film. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it was. There was no adaptation at all. So I just wrote down like fifteen things that I just want to mention. Okay. Fox, the Phoenix, mm-hmm. the Diary, the Basilisk, Moaning Myrtle, Polyjuice Potion, Gildroy Lockhart, the Flying Car, the Giant Spiders, Hagrid sent to Azkaban, Hermione gets petrified. That's it. It's like all of those things happen. <laughs> so much stuff. And I don't want to dive too much into it because we could just talk about all of those things. Oh, I do like the flashback with Tom Riddle. Oh, yeah. He was so handsome. <laughs> that Tom Riddle, the, 
Tom Riddle in Chamber of Secrets is so hot compared to Tom Riddle in, um, which one is it? Uh, uh, six. Six, yeah. Half-Blood Prince. Half-Blood Prince, yeah. He just looks creepy in Six, but he's like, he's a fox in two. <laughs> I don't know why they couldn't bring that guy back. Probably because he was like 40 by the time it was time to film. <laughs> okay, my fun fact for number two is uh, Daniel Radcliffe was originally offered 180000 for this movie. Until uh, the union, the actors' union, stepped in and renegotiated his contract for him to earn to net him three three million. I feel like Daniel Radcliffe and Harry Potter are the same person. <laughs> like Harry Potter wouldn't have negotiated that either. He'd just be like, "Man, I'm dumb," <laughs> and then it's just like, and then somebody else does it for him. Yeah, yeah, but he's <laughs> that's very true. But he was also eleven. I know, but like, so his family probably also didn't know, like. Well, we we should probably get more than 180 like grand. If you have been cast in the Harry Potter movies, you should have some type of like agent, yeah, to help you, or like some type of manager to yeah. be able to negotiate that stuff for you. Especially when you're 11. Like, I'm not expecting a 12 year or 11 or 12 year old to negotiate their own contract because yeah. I'd be like 180 thousand. That sounds pretty darn good. <laughs> but you're Harry Potter. You yeah. can get three million easy. Yep. Yeah. When the budgets are like hundreds of millions. Yeah. yeah, so overall, this one, fun, fine, too kitty, too friendly, too much happening. Agreed. Okay. Prisoner of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban. This new director. One. New director. Totally new vibe. Totally new vibe. Great vibe. Totally perfect, <laughs> in my opinion. This is at um, the top of my list of of things, or of movies, Ooh. I should say. Yeah, mine is it's also towards the top of mine. Um. I find this refreshing, mm-hmm. almost so refreshing that it's distracting almost, that it's so refreshing. I'm like, oh my gosh, this definitely is different. It's not like... And the music is different too. Everything feels different. Yeah. Um, and they're but, wearing street clothes. Yeah. The acting <laughs> is a lot better. I feel like the kids are starting to finally like... Maybe they're just the bar has been raised now that I've seen shows like Game of Thrones where the child actors are so amazing. But those first movies, they were so bad. Well, that could have also been the direction too, though. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like they finally in this one they're they're like these are these are legit actors. Mm-hmm. I really love the new Dumbledore. Yeah. Uh, I feel like he is where he lacks, which is uh, I feel like what this new Dumbledore lacks, Michael Gambon, is is that kind of that Santa Claus vibe. Is the the grandfatherly? This is magical, but he has so much more depth. Mm-hmm. You know, he's much more complicated. In a way that I don't know if the previous Dumbledore could have tackled. Yeah, he's got this weird charisma. Yes. That like... There's a subtlety. He's like, oh yeah, it's very different. Yeah. He's a different Dumbledore, but no less delightful. Gary Oldman you've got. So amazing. Gary Oldman. He's a different person in every movie As he serious does. Black. <laughs> yeah, it's like he, I don't even recognize him. Yeah. In all of his movies. I never know it's him. Then Timothy Spall as Peter Pettigrew. What a snaky looking guy. Oh my <laughs> he's gosh. so good at that. He, that's like the only kind of character he can play. Oh, but, he's, but he nails it. Uh, and then I think it's got a really good balance of fun and engaging magic. Like it, it, it does that just as well as the first two. But it also captures the seriousness and the tension. And it's also got this like really unique color palette, I feel like. Mm-hmm. There's something about the color palette or the colors in the movie that just... It just feels richer mm-hmm. while also feeling darker. I don't know. It's just, it's really good. The only, the only time it maybe got a bit heavy handed for me was the night bus sequence. 
with the, with, oh, with the shrunken head. With the shrunken head. Yeah. That's the only time it gets a little bit too like. Uh, yeah, we were trying to be fun and yeah. do something different here. Yeah. It's too uh too Tim Burton or something like that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was just meh. But I think that was that's kind of a characteristic of the new director. Yeah. He's kinda into that. I can't think of his name, Alfonso. Quaron. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. The part about this movie that there's one scene in particular where there's some very questionable acting. Mm. And I think you probably know the scene I'm talking about. <laughs> I think I probably do. When Harry puts on his invisibility cloak and he follows um, the Minister of Magic into the bar and like listens to them talking about how Sirius Black like betrayed Harry's parents. And then Harry gets all upset and like runs out of the bar and he goes over to the Shrieking Shack and Hermione pulls the cloak off of him and he's doing some of the worst fake crying <laughs> I have ever seen in my entire life. We make fun of this all the time, actually. Constantly. And then he like turns from being sad to being angry and then his anger is also just really terrible and he does this horrible underbite thing <laughs> with his teeth that just like is so awful. It's so bad. Um, but what does other he say? Than that, oh, he, they, they were my friends or no, something. No, he was their friend. Oh, he was their friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then he, he does the, friend. this underbite Cue and then this he like underbite. moves his jaw back and forth in like kind of like a bulldog manner. <laughs> it's very, <laughs> very awful. Um, but that's the only complaint I have about this movie. Everything else, I love how they brought the time turner sequence to life. Yes. That was really cool. So fun with the with the with the pumpkins in the background mm-hmm. and the and the, the, the black cloaked executioner. Oh, so. mm-hmm. Um the reveal that Lupin is a werewolf is mm, great, mm-hmm. followed shortly after by the Peter Pettigrew was Scabbers the whole time reveal. Yeah. Which is totally creepy. Yes. And the C- yeah. Hor- horrific. I feel like the CG, quick comment on that, the CG on the wolf, I don't think, oh, will, will age very well. It, it hasn't. hasn't aged very well. <laughs> Even when it happened, like, when I was watching the movie in real time, yeah, uh, that was, that was, eh. that could have yeah. been so much better. <laughs> it like, could have been If Michael Jackson can cool. pull this off, you know, yeah. 20 years earlier or something, you should be able to pull off a werewolf, but. Uh, last thing. When they're down by the lake and the Dementors are closing in on Sirius Black and they're starting to suck out his soul, I wondered when I read that in the book how they were going to do that in the movie. And I thought it was cool how they just, it was represented by like a little orb of light that comes out oh, that yeah. represented the soul. And I thought that was really cool how they did that. Yeah, that because I was like, out. how are they going to show like that he's not dying? It's just his soul is being removed. Yeah. So... I thought that was that cool. That is a cool sequence. Oh, and the Marauder's map. The introduction of that cool map. Yeah. Oh, they do that really yeah. well, too. With all the little footsteps and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so fun. Soup's cool. Uh, my fun fact, uh, if, you know, they're already batting 100 on the casting, but uh, Emma Thompson accepted the role uh, of Professor Trelawney to impress oh, yeah. her four-year-old daughter. Um, <laughs> but Tilda Swinton was originally offered the role, but declined. Tilda Swinton. I that would have been 110% mm. casting. I don't know. Oh, you don't agree? I think she might be... I think she would have been, like, too... Like, too much. I don't think that she has, like, the quirk that Trelawney is supposed to have. I think she would have been too serious. 
Tilda Swinton seems like a very serious person to me. She does, but I feel like she can... I just, I think Tilda Swinton can probably do it any role that she wanted to, and I feel like it would be in, in the same thing in this situation. Or maybe this. Trelawney is supposed to look, like, kind of disheveled and, like, really eccentric, and I don't know if Tilda Swinton can ever look disheveled. I feel like every time I see a picture of her, she looks so put together and just, like, so chic and perfect. Oh, interesting. And I'm just not sure that she could have pulled it off. I'm sure she could have pulled it off. I'm sure she's very nice. <laughs> no, she's very nice. <laughs> But I like the casting. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I do too. I do too. But okay. Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire. This movie, to me, is complete trash (laughs) (laughs) in comparison to the rest of the films. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Let's hear it. Um, Their hair is terrible. Let's start there. But I know it it was the style of the time. Yes. It's the style of the time, and that's how it's described in the book. Like, their hair is getting longer in the book. I books. know, but it, it's just, I hate their hair. And that's what boys do at that age. Sure. Okay, well, you just hate their that's hair. That's great. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fair enough. On, on the flip side, though, Hermione looks beautiful at the Yule Ball. Indeed, yeah. So. A little preview of Belle right there. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it really was. The reason I don't really like this one, it's like, it's fine, but... I feel like this movie doesn't fit with the rest of them. It feels a little bit more disjointed, more like it's like a side story. Kind of like one of those Star Wars stories that we're seeing oh, now. Interesting. Where it's like, because it's all about the Triwizard Tournament, that they cut out basically everything else that happens in the book. Yeah. And I just feel like you lose so much, which they had to do it this way because there just wasn't time. Yeah. Um. It just feels like it's removed from the rest of the plot, and I don't like that. And yeah, their hands are a little tied of, because of the Triwizard Tournament, because you have to show the events of the Triwizard, because it's such a, a pivotal right, like know, part of it. That is the majority of what the book is about, but when, it, when you're translating the book that has so much other yeah. story to it, it's just hard to make that all fit. So this kind of felt like, oh, we're just going to do a fun movie about this Triwizard Tournament and then try and tie it back in with you know, Voldemort rising. While that did happen during the Triwizard Tournament, it just didn't, it feels a little di- disjointed to me. I've got a quick comment on that. Apparently, uh, who did this one? Was this the first one with David Yates? No. No, okay. Um, I don't remember this guy's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But whoever was doing it, they were originally going to make this, the studio wanted to make this one two films. Oh, they really should for have. Th- for that reason. Uh, but Alfonso Cuaron, uh, Convince them not to, or convince the director not to, and just said, no, mm. don't, don't extend it. Just go, you can do it in one. Because mm. they, they were thinking about, yeah, doing a bunch of the kind of the well, subtext stuff. I guess it kind of would have been hard because you would have had to break an up, broken up, oh my God, I can't speak, <laughs> the events of the Triwizard Tournament then. Yeah. So it's like, you would have seen like the first two events, and then the third one would have been in the final film, maybe. So it could have been... I or maybe they would have done it where the first one ends where, like, his name is called. Oh, but then I feel like there's not enough. In the first one? Yeah. Well, that's why I feel they probably, that's probably, that was probably his That argument. would have been really hard to split into two, I think. Um, although I really hated most of this, I did love the dragons. Yeah, the I dragons loved were great. I loved the way they did the maze. It was way scarier than I thought it was going to be. Um, although, once again, here's my so riddle. claustrophobic. My riddle complaint is they cut the Sphinx riddle. 
Do you remember that part? No, I don't. Okay, well, it's in the book. I know I said I wasn't going to talk about the books, but I feel like this is really important. It's right before he gets to the cup, the Triwizard Cup. Oh, this is coming back, yeah. Yeah, and he runs into this scary sphinx and is like, you have to answer this riddle, and if you can answer the riddle, then you can pass. Otherwise, I'm like going to attack you and kill you, basically. Um, And he answers the riddle correctly. And I just, smart, like, outside of magic... Like, just using your brain, I think, is so important in the books. Like, it has a lot less to do with what type of magic you can do and, like, the power of just thinking critically. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they missed that in the first movie with the potions, and they missed that in this one with the Sphinx. It wasn't going to take magic to get past it. It was going to take thinking. Yeah. And that bums me out. The power of the brain <laughs> and I just feel like for all of us schlubs who aren't magical in the real world, that would just, that would be meaningful to see. It's easier to empathize with. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, like I could, I could beat this thing too, because you don't need magic. And Harry never uses magic. <laughs> exactly. Another, <laughs> another spot. Okay. I really like the opening sequence at the Quidditch World Cup. Uh, Cause I felt like oh, it was, yeah. I felt like it was the first time that the world is expanding outside of Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. It's the first time you get to see impacts of Voldemort outside of the school. Yeah, and you get introduced to wizards from all over the world. Yeah, it's just like the world expands mm-hmm. in a in a big way. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Um, I thought it was reasonably well adapted for being such a long book. Yeah, that's my take. Um, because it it just was so long. I didn't know how else you could do that. So, okay, I love. Again, the casting, so good. Well, I guess it's double-edged here again, but here's some great casting. (laughs) Uh, Ralph Phineas as Voldemort, Brendan Gleeson as Mad-Eye, and Robert Pattinson as Cedric. (gasps) Cedric Diggory, what a dreamboat. Yeah, he's a dreamboat, and Robert Pattinson crushes it as Cedric. He just, like, nails it. But he has to die, Joey. Yeah, he does. He has to die so he could fulfill his true purpose. As Edward Cullen. Exactly. The sparkly old man vampire boy (laughs) stuck in the teenager's body. (laughs) Um, I really liked the the Barty Crouch Jr. with the lip licking. Oh, yeah. And that guy's really great, too. Yeah. He's the bad guy in Jessica Jones. Yes. He's he's great. The lip licking was just so creep show. Yeah. There really are a lot of good elements of this movie, but just like overall, like... I feel like if I was watching it as someone who hadn't read the books without all of that context. I agree. I feel like maybe it would be like, what is going on in this one? Why is this Definitely. so different? Yep. It's just because the book is so is so huge. and Yeah, it's like twice as big as... It's like the other three combined. Yeah. Yeah, there's just a lot of content in this book. Um, it's fine. It's still great. I would still, still watch it. I wouldn't complain. Okay, so the, I would say, though, this one is the first one with bad casting there's a, a mm. few bad castings that i don't Ooh. like fleur de la Cur. oh yeah she's not as beautiful fleur as she she should have been sorry yeah Ugh. and victor crumb is that and one Vic, of them that is my other that's my second <laughs> i've got three victor crumb didn't like victor crumb no uh and then my last was cho chang i don't really like cho chang either she was Me fine neither. i guess but she was just there i don't know i know it's just like i yeah, there. Flora Delacour. Let's go back to her. She was supposed to be so irresistible. Yeah, and I did not get that vibe from her at all. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I, didn't I feel either. like they should have gotten someone who had like almost like white blonde hair, 
Yeah, what well, it's almost yeah. like a Daenerys Targaryen type. Exactly. And you know, maybe even they could have kept the same actress actress, but they didn't do enough to to make it seem like she was the way she was described in the book, you know? By mm-hmm. maybe they add like weird shimmer to her hair or like yeah, or some type of like her aura eyes are really saturated or, yeah. or, or something, or like the camera goes soft every time the boys see her or something. But like every time the girls see her, it's just like a normal person, you know, right. something like that. Well, because she is like part Vila, which is like not human. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's I, like there it's she needs to have some type of enhancement or, enhancement. or, or some. Yeah. Same with Victor Crumb. He was described as like crazy handsome and just. All the ladies were after him, right? yeah. and I was. Just, I saw him, and I was like, and big and brooding. He like and looked super like strong. someone I went to high school with, and I was just <laughs> like, I nope. Yeah, he's not doing it for me. Uh, what was your last one? Cho Chang. Oh yeah, she nothing, was nothing either. And, and and there's nothing. And sp- for for the Cho Chang one, there's nothing really specifically bad. I just it just wasn't good. I just wasn't blown away. I guess by her acting. Yeah, or? it's like why would Cedric Diggory be so into her? Yeah, I just he's I don't know. he could have anybody. Well, Cedric Diggory. <laughs> Cedric, Cedric you know, should have been going after Fleur is what should have been going on. If she was what she was supposed to be, then yes. Okay. I feel like Cedric, and, you know who would have made a good match? Is Cedric and Hermione if he had lived. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, actually, she, yeah, that, that is a great match. Okay, uh, okay my fun fact uh, for this movie after we've pooped on those three people. <laughs> oh, no, actually, real quick. Uh, the moaning Myrtle sequence is extremely awkward and totally oh, unnecessary. in the bathtub? Yeah, with the bubbles. Yes. What the, what is the, what's the point of that? I feel like they did that because we're like, this movie is all about them like entering into more of like adulthood. Like they're 14 and like things are escalating. Like they've yeah. got crushes now and like things are kind of happening. Like they're going to dances with girls. And yeah. so they had to bring that element in, which was just really uncomfortable. It was just a weird way like, to do it. I feel like they would not have done that if it was made today. Probably not. It's it's just a weird way to, to get that. I think you're absolutely right that the purpose, the reason that it's in there, but it's just done in a really heavy handed way. And it's also really creepy because the actress who plays Moaning Myrtle was like 38. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is awkward. Okay. I was going to say uh, the books that form Dumbledore's library are actually phone directories in disguise. Oh, like just like rebound? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty clever. Oh. Good for them. Okay, Order of the Phoenix. Uh, this one... This, this is, We're on number five, by the way. Yeah, number five, Order of the Phoenix. This is how, I think, you adapt a book mm-hmm. to a movie. This yeah. is I'm with you. This is one where it, the adaptation is so good, it's, I dare say, maybe better than the book. For, for me, because <laughs> those the are book, fighting words. yeah, those are fighting words. I mean, the book to me feels like a little bit sometimes uh, the Council of Elrond from the Fellowship of the <laughs> Ring, where it's just like it's so there's so much content and the plot is moving forward kind of at a snail's pace. It's just it's huge, but the movie is very refreshing and it and it adds excitement where maybe there wasn't as much excitement as before and they cut the right things mm-hmm. and they kept the right things. I just think it's, they did that really, really well. Well, and this is when David Yates comes in. So it's like the whole tone and then he directs five through eight. So just like everything is like perfectly aligned and consistent. Yep. I consider starting this with five. Exactly. And this is, I feel like the movie's 
uh, at least for me, are almost divided up into two parts. The first four and then the last four. The last four feel definitely like a cohesive mm-hmm. piece. Um, uh, okay, so honorable mentions for this one. We have the introduction of two phenomenal new characters. We have Luna Lovegood. Luna, oh, she's so good. Single greatest thing to happen in the Harry Potter series, I think. Oh, wow. Just because I feel like there's this, there's one scene in one of the movies where Hagrid is talking about how Ron, Harry, and Hermione are the biggest group of misfits he's ever seen. And I want to be like, it, that's not true. Have you seen Luna Lovegood? <laughs> like, I think it just, she brings in this other element of just like, it's okay to be different. And like, I don't know. Yeah, I love that. I love her. And she just owns who she is. And she doesn't give two shits whether people like her or not. Definitely. Um, and then we have Bellatrix Lestrange. Yep, the other amazing casting. The absolute perfect casting. Yeah. Helena Bonham Carter. When I found out that she was going to be Bellatrix Lestrange, I just felt like... <coughs> so, I speechless, speechlessly happy. It was just so good. Um yeah, so good. Things I like about this one, the stakes are instantly a lot higher because Voldemort is back. Yep. And he's got followers. Um the beginning of this movie is so great with the Dementors at the beginning. This might be my favorite opening sequence. It is my actually. favorite opening sequence of all the Harry Potter movies. It's just so good. Mm-hmm. And it's just really well shot, too. I feel like I'm watching a serious movie. You are watching a serious movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, yeah, I am watching a serious movie, but I feel like I'm watching um, a drama. I feel like I'm watching a drama. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, a fantasy adventure. Mm-hmm. Another thing I love is the fight between Voldemort and Dumbledore at the Department of Mystery. Um, no, at the Ministry of Magic. No, it is the Department of Mysteries. Yeah, at the Ministry of Magic. They're not in the Department of Mysteries, though. They're, oh, they're just not? no. I think they're just like in the lobby at this point. Oh, in that fight. Yes, <laughs> the fight. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Um, because they're doing things that like you didn't know were possible because you've seen the kids just like casting spells and doing like things that you learn in school but then these two guys are going at it and they're like not even using their wands and they're not even saying any sort of incantation they're just like making all this crazy stuff happen with like the glass and like turning them into daggers and shooting them at dumbledore and then voldemort or one of them turns it to sand and it's just like you didn't know. You didn't know this was possible. This was possible. It's it's magic on a on an entirely new level that you don't get to see any other time actually yeah you don't get to see anything like this any other time i feel like the rest you know the other movies or the rest of the you know the time it's either one of two things it's either the beams of light connecting Mm -hmm. um which is cool but this is probably cooler or it's just like stupefy over and over (laughs) and over just stupefy stupefy oh just all the time petrificus totalis but this one is so creative it's like mm-hmm. something out of a comic book or something. It's just, it's yeah. so fantastical. So I love that. And I love that entire sequence, actually, where the, it starts, yeah, just the whole final act here is so good, where it starts in the dark, feels kind of like it's a horror as they're walking through the, the scary mm-hmm. Department of Mysteries. Um, in Cut it into the fast-paced action sequence of the fight of the fight scene, you know, where there's like... <laughs> it's the expecto patronum expecto oh, patronum like and the, the kids versus the death eaters exactly which is like there's no way that kids would actually be <laughs> a group of death eaters exactly and then you get the the death scene where serious. he's serious serious where he's like nice one james and your heart's just yeah 
How do you feel about that death scene? Were you satisfied by it? Um, <laughs> That's a weird way to say it. I d- I, does he say nice one, James, in the book? I think so. Okay. So I just, I really like that line. I didn't feel as sad as maybe I could have. I just thought it was weird because I expected when he falls through like that archway that it would be more of like he like fell through and like disappeared behind the veil. But really it's like he kind of steps through. Yeah. And it's just. I don't know, because doesn't Bellatrix use the same the Avada Kedavra? Yeah. Yeah. And like the way that Cedric dies with Avada Kedavra is like, he's immediately done and he's down and that's not what happens to Sirius. So I feel like there's some conflicting <laughs> yeah. death scenes here with the same spell. Well, that's true. But that's, you know, that's for the movie. Felt okay. Mm. I was a little disappointed by it, but I just thought of like 18 other things that I love about this movie. And one <laughs> of them is um, Umbridge. Yep. The introduction of the most evil character in my opinion, more evil than Voldemort. Yeah. Stephen King would agree. Really? Yeah. Oh, me and Stephen. <laughs> I knew we had so much in common. Yeah. Um, she's great. And then, like, the whole, they have to form Dumbledore's army. And the to, actress. Like, rise up. Okay, yeah. the actress that played Dolores, too. Mm-hmm. She just does it so well with a little, I guess I'll call them, <laughs> exactly, the chirps. Is, yeah. Is how I wrote this down here. Yeah, the the... the the interjections are so good. The little coughs, the the pink, the kind of, but this, you know, the mousy attitude, but but actually is like ferocious. Yes. And I, so I have two fun facts about her. They brought in over 40 kittens to like film and take photos of to put on the plates that are um, lined up on the walls of her office. Yeah. Which is just, what a fun day to shoot kittens. And then, okay, you weren't reacting, so I was afraid that you weren't understanding. No, I'm getting yeah. Okay. That sounds like fun. Um, and then the other fun fact is about her outfits. So the costume designer for Umbridge's outfits said that she started with a lighter pink for her outfits at the beginning of the movie. And then as the film goes on, the pinks get like hotter and hotter because she's getting more and more hysterical. So they go from like a pastel pink to like, a darker like magenta Ooh. which comes across as she describes it as hotter but i also saw it described as brighter okay yeah I so like however that. you want to interpret that it just shows that she's getting more hysterical over the course of the movie i like that that's kind a of cool, a cool little thing that i never would have noticed yeah i'll have to, to to look for that um this is the first time i also thought harry didn't feel quite as stiff they're getting I guess I'll just say the acting is still improving for the kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, but, yeah, because they're like, they're but, supposed to be like 15 at this time. Yeah. But Harry always felt to me, maybe like the worst actor of the three personally. And this is, and he's getting better. Yeah. Um, I really also like the owl sequence. I, that's just the way I imagine. I feel like every kid at some point just imagines tossing aside one of their finals or like throwing away their ACT, you know, as a big group. <laughs> When does this happen? I'm trying to remember. Remember they they've got a they've got to pass their owls, and then they're taking. Oh, the, the, did the Weasley brothers come in? Yeah, yeah. And they start throwing off like fireworks, right. and the and the owls are thrown into the air, and like. 
when you said owls, I imagined the birds oh, at yeah. first, and I was like, They're, when does this happen? Yeah, what is it called? Their ordinary wizarding level or something exams? Yeah. Oh, W-L. <laughs> yeah, it's ordinary wizarding level. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, six, Half-Blood Prince. I This is one of my favorites. Um, the reason why is because despite all of the darkness in the wizarding world, I feel like this is a return to the fact that we are hearing a story about teenagers and like that they have teenage inclinations and that while there may be this very dark wizard that is out to kill them all and destroy them, they're still concerned about, does my crush like me back? Ron is going off and kissing Lavender Brown. That makes me sad. That girl's into me and she's making a love potion for me. And ooh, I'm the chosen one. And just like all of this, like very much teenage drama. Yeah. That I love. (laughs) Yeah. I thought the third act was very disturbing watching Dumbledore suffer. I feel, I felt like when they're in the cave, when they're in the cave, Yeah, I felt like that captured the terror and the seriousness of their quest. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really well. Um, I think this is the one where there's a girl that's... I, I guess I don't know how to say it. She, It looks like she's tortured, but she's under that awful spell where as she goes, she touches something and she goes floating up in the air. Is that this one? Mm-hmm. And you see her screaming in the air. Yeah, because this is the one where um, Malfoy is charged with like killing Dumbledore. Yeah. And... So he tries all these sneaky ways to get to Dumbledore. And so one of them is through this necklace and the necklace is cursed. And so he like bewitches, what's her name? Katie Bell in the bathroom and then gives her the necklace and then she ends up touching it and then she's cursed. She doesn't die, but she's cursed and she was, he bewitched her to give it to Dumbledore, Yeah, but she never got that far. So I, I like those scenes just because it shows how serious I guess the curses really can be. It's, it's, you're and terrified. The stakes are so high. The stakes are so high. And there's like at the beginning when, um, what is her name? Malfoy's mother. We'll call her Mrs. Malfoy. Can't yeah. think of her name right now. <laughs> she and Bellatrix go to Snape's and they do the unbreakable vow. And I just, that is so cool. Yeah. And like, oh, it's just when you look back and you know, how all of this ends and you realize everything that Snape was risking to like be a mole and like be, he's like the Hamilton to George Washington, his right, <laughs> right hand man. Um, but doing the unbreakable vow and then actually being the one to kill Dumbledore in the end, that must've been so hard for him because he already knew that Dumbledore was dying anyways because of the ring, the cursed ring, but to have to actually do it, and then That's, to yeah. have um, Harry freak out on him and scream at him and say, like, how could you do that? And just have to pretend pretend that had yeah. to be so painful. And Alan Rickman does it beautifully. Gosh, he's so good as Snape. You know who else is good? Who? <laughs> is the guy who plays Professor Slughorn. Uh, my favorite scene is when Harry takes the Felix Felices, the liquid luck. Love that. And then... He's hanging out with Hagrid and Professor Slughorn, and Professor Slughorn gives the eulogy at Aragog, the giant spider's funeral. So funny. <laughs> it's like he's never met the spider. He doesn't know him, but he's just <laughs> got this perfect speech ready to go. I love that. <laughs> the only thing that really bugs me about this one is that I can't believe Harry is going for Ginny. Oh, my God. Why Ginny? 
Luna is what it's all about. <laughs> he should be going for Luna. Luna's way more interesting. Or he should just be going for no one because he should be alone. And you have more in common with Luna. Okay. Seven. <laughs> Seven point one. Seven point one. Deathly Hallows. Uh, I love the line, they are coming. Yes. Uh, that reminds me again of Lord of the Rings. Uh, but you take from the best. That's what I say. Uh, I love the fight sequence in the cafe. I love the um, the the uh, necklace stealing sequence in the offices. Oh yeah, that's good. I just thought that would be such a riot to they shoot. They take the polyjuice potion. Oh my gosh, yeah. how fun would it be to be those actors and pretend you <laughs> yeah. know you're Rupert Grint or you know Emma Watson walking around as a wizard? Yeah, that, that would just be, be the best thing. That would be very fun. Um, I love the Godric's hollow sequence. That the 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 woman is oh the woman terrifying. who turns into the snake oh she's terrifying and it's got a really good jump scare yes I, I I wrote that down I said I remember jumping so high in my seat because I was not expecting <laughs> that to happen oh. yeah they did that really well um this this movie is all set up so it's not I don't really like it that much I feel like the majority of it they're just nomads. You know, just uh, bopping around, <laughs> trying to find horcruxes, and Ron is super cranky, and it's just like the weight of what they're trying to do is weighing on all of them, and it's just bearing them down, and it's just not that fun to watch. Like, mm-hmm. there are a few scenes where I'm having a good time, but yeah. I feel like this one felt like it needed to be split in two, but they knew that the second one was where all of the action was going to be. Yeah. Uh, on that note, apparently the... Uh they had the uh, the original print of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows was five and a half hours long. So that's how they justified splitting it into two movies. Yeah, that's that's a good plan. Yeah. Um, I don't really have much else to say. I have a fun fact. Yeah, you, hit us with the fun okay, fact. Okay, my fun fact is it took 95 takes to film one shot of the seven Potters at the beginning of the movie. Wow. Um, what a pain in the butt. <laughs> and it was all Daniel Radcliffe because he had to be all of those different yeah. people. So... They said it took him about 12 takes to get each character's mannerisms, but it only took him one take to get Hermione's first try. Oh, wow. <laughs> I guess that just goes to show you, you hang out with them for long enough. Yeah. You just get to know their mannerisms. Yeah. I do. I do really enjoy that scene. I do too. I do too. Um, okay. A- another quick scene that I love when they're on the, uh, when they're in the woods, when the guy smells Hermione's perfume. Oh yeah. And the tension is just like palpable yeah. in the air. Holy yeah. smokes. And the scene where Ron has to face his fear and where Hermione's telling him that she's never loved him and that she's always loved Harry. Oh, oh yeah. breaks my heart. And then they start making out. Yes. I guess when they filmed that, Emma Watson made Rupert Grint leave the room because he kept laughing because he just thought it was so weird that yeah. the two of them were kissing. Yeah, it's probably kissing your, you know, sister or something. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, super weird. So <laughs> she made him leave. <laughs> How does she make him leave, do you think? She probably said, like, I can't do this, like, with him sitting in the room laughing, like, he's got to go. Oh, wait, Rupert Grint. Yeah. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I misheard you. Okay, 7.2. 7.2. Part de. Here we are. Um, I mean, there's so many great things that happen. I think the most memorable thing for me, there's two things that are very memorable. It's when Professor McGonagall calls the statues down to protect the castle yeah that's just like i get goosebumps every single time and her line what does she say i've always wanted to use that spell <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh yeah 
Um, so that one, and then Snape's death scene and the big reveal and from his memories yes. that he's like just this heartbreaking past and he's like the real hero and oh yeah that's so good i also really like knew i loved him for a reason <laughs> i like the train station sequence with baby voldemort oh okay or, like, i thought you were talking about like, the final scene i was like oh no 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 <laughs> the, the one at the train station i think is iconic in in like purgatory or wherever it is and then i also love the opening gringotts sequence I just feel yeah. really bad for that dragon. Yes. And that one, that's great too. Does, do you mind if I throw my fun fact in here? Go for it. I guess Emma Watson spent a lot of time paying attention to her mannerisms. And when she would come across something that she thought was notable, she would text it to Helena Bonham Carter. So she's like texting her tips about how to act like her because Emma Watson or Hermione is takes the polyjuice potion to be Bellatrix. So Helena Bonham Carter had to act like Hermione. Oh yeah. 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 So she's like texting her all of these like weird little things that she does that she is realizing about herself so that Helena Bonham Carter can like perform really oh, that's well. That's fun. Yeah. I really like that. <laughs> so that was super fun. I like that. Uh, okay. Onto the, th- oh, oh, this one, this one feels a little bit like, um, Hobbit, the Battle of the Five Armies, to me, in the sense that it feels like the the battle goes on for a long time. I guess mm-hmm. where it's some there are some moments that feel like maybe unnecessary fan service, but if you are a fan, you're really happy they have it in there. Like when Molly Weasley kills Bellatrix Lestrange. Yeah, I felt like if they hadn't if they didn't include that, a lot of people would have been upset. But it just it didn't feel right to me that Molly Weasley would. No, I mean that's what happens in the in the book, but it the way it was acted. Oh. Like it didn't feel like fan service to me. It felt like mm. just because the Molly Weasley from the book and the Molly Weasley in the movie, I feel like are two different women. Mm. And so I feel like she doesn't seem like the type that would kill Bellatrix Lestrange in the movie. You're in saying. the movie. Yeah, she's very very motherly. Yes, and the way she says like not my daughter you bitch and like the way it's said in the book I'm like yes, but in the movie I'm like this is unbelievable. And then like <laughs> she kills her in a way that like you're not supposed to be able to kill someone. She like stretches out and then kind of just like explodes. And I'm like that's not a way that you kill someone in Harry Potter. Yeah, what's this forbidden? <laughs> I guess there's yeah, a fourth like, what forbidden is, what spell. What is this spell that you just used? Avada Kedavra. <laughs> the brother <laughs> she, spell. She just said it wrong, and yeah. so it was like the killing curse gone awry. <laughs> so I don't love that. And then just my overall overarching complaint is that Voldemort is a lot less scary than he should be. Oh, interesting. He just yeah. seems more like kind of creepy. Like that weird guy, like on the bus. Yeah. Like, you know, when he like sideways hugs Malfoy and like sometimes when he laughs and it's just like, I feel like he should look more skeletal and he kind of looks a little chubby in this one. Oh, interesting. To I don't me, pick up like, on that. Yeah. I just, there's something about him that's way more creepy than scary. Okay. Yeah. And like not creepy in like a, in a good way, like creepy in like a, that guy just makes me feel weird. Like, I don't, I don't want to sit next to that guy. Yeah. That guy doesn't have a nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what happened to that guy? I don't like that guy. Yeah. The, so the, there was a lot for me left to be desired with Voldemort. 
I my biggest gripe is I just wish they had had the courage to cut the epilogue. Oh, just for the love of Mike! No one needed that. Cut that epilogue. It's so terrible. She didn't. Or- I don't want it. J.K. Rowling doesn't want it. <laughs> Nobody wants this epilogue except for maybe the younger kids, which I get. But <sighs> if you're going to include it, I guess make it make it a a bonus scene at the end or something, or like a deleted scene. I don't know. Just you don't need it. No, it was you so unnecessary, it. and it was so poorly done. It was really bad. It was so bad. You know what they should have done? They should have found the person if they're going to do it. Which again, they should not have. But if you're going to do it, find the person that. Did all the makeup for the Back to the Future movies. Hire them. Yeah, they did a good job. They did. They yeah, did Ginny job. Weasley just looked like a tired, haggard mom. <laughs> I thought you were going <laughs> to say a tired hag. <laughs> well, she looked like a tired hag. But, oh, my gosh. Um, oh, and last thing I have to say is also the way that Voldemort, like, can we say that he dies there when he just kind of like flakes off into ashes? Oh, yeah. That's also very weird. That's not a thing. No, but that's kind of cool. You think? I thought that was kind of cool. I, I thought didn't. that was a nice touch. I felt like that means he could come back. If you could just like sweep up all the ashes, <laughs> you could reincarnate him somehow. Yeah. Throw it him d- into a bonfire. I, I feel like it maybe makes a little sense only because all of the other parts of him went that way, right? All the other Horcruxes were destroyed in, in like this weird ashy stuff. Oh, were they? Were they? I... Wasn't know. the snake like it's not just the snake? Wasn't Nagini like the head gets chopped off and then? Oh, I guess yeah. It's like the snake kind of evaporates a little bit. Yeah. Oh, maybe. I guess I maybe I wasn't paying that much attention. Yeah, I don't know what the significance is of that. There might not be. I don't any know. It just feels cool. weird. Okay. And the, but the music was really good in this one too. Yeah. I'll say that. But do you have fun facts? Um, let me take a look. They w- well, you made the comment about Voldemort. I have two fun facts. One is they wanted to make his appearance change subtly each time one of the Horcruxes was destroyed. So each time it gets destroyed, um, they make him a little bit more hollow-eyed, and he starts developing small lesions on his skin. Hmm. And then the last, or, or maybe that's just something they talked about and didn't release. I'm not sure. And then before the final book was published, this I think is interesting. Daniel Radcliffe asked J.K. Rowling whether his character Harry would die at the end, and after a silence, Rowling gave him the very cryptic answer. You get a death scene. (laughs) (laughs) Which I like. I think that's fun. Yeah. That is good. Okay. All right. Well, let's, should we rank them? That's all the movies. That's all of them. You don't have to see them now, but you probably already have. (laughs) We just saved you. A ton of spoilers if you haven't watched any of them. (laughs) 20 hours. (laughs) Okay. Do you, what, how would you like to do this? Um, First, just for fun, I'm going to list the the highest grossing movies Oh, in order. I'll just go quickly. Okay. Deathly Hallows Part 2, Sorcerer's Stone, Half-Blood Prince, Deathly Hallows 1, Order of the Phoenix, Goblet of Fire, Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner of Azkaban. So Prisoner of Azkaban made the least amount of money? Yep. Huh. Which is interesting because it's pretty high up on my list. So uh, do you want to go first? Okay. So I'm going from worst to best. Yeah. Okay. So mine in order from worst to best. Goblet of Fire, Deathly Hollows Part 1, Chamber of Secrets, Sorcerer's Stone, Order of the Phoenix, and then here's my top three. 
Deathly Hollows Part 2, Prisoner of Azkaban, and then my winner is The Half-Blood Prince. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Our lists are very different. <laughs> really? Yeah. Let's hear yours. Okay. My list from bottom, from worst to best, from bottom to top. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Harry Potter and the Half... <laughs> <laughs> I love, why are you saying Harry Potter for every single one? <laughs> we all know where we are. It's been okay. an hour. <laughs> okay. No, number eight, Chamber of Secrets. Number seven... Now, I'm not even going to say the numbers. It's confusing. Chamber of Secrets, Sorcerer's Stone, Half-Blood Prince, Deathly Hallows Part 2, Prisoner of Azkaban, Goblet of Fire, and my number three, and my number two, Deathly Hallows Part 1, and my number one, Order of the Phoenix. Oh, my gosh. Did we? I don't even think we had one that was the same. I don't think so. Say your top three again. Deathly Hallows Part (laughs) 2. Yeah, that's not in mine. Prisoner of Azkaban. Nope. Half-Blood Prince. Nope. Half-Blood. So, I, we both, I think, can agree, though, that the first two are at, at the bottom of the list? Yeah, the Chamber of Secrets and the Sorcerer's Stone were in my bottom half. Okay, Prisoner of Azkaban takes my number four spot. Okay. So, I feel like we both really like that one. Where was Order of the Phoenix for you? That was my number four. Okay, so we both also kind of like that one. Oh, boy. What was your worst, again? Chamber of Secrets. Oh yeah, Chamber of Secrets the is oat, trash. Yeah, the oatmeal, <laughs> the oatmeal to <laughs> to philosopher to sorcerer's stone. Yeah. Okay, so we cannot agree this week on a winner. <laughs> so I will say, and the winner is the Half Blood Prince. And I will say the winner is Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> but what movie? Um, Order of the Phoenix. Okay, I do really like Order of the Phoenix. I feel like I could have. There's some interchangeability with my top four. I think. I feel like my bottom four is very concrete. Yes. But depending on my mood, my top four could, could reorder itself. My bottom two is absolutely concrete. Yeah. I mean, Goblet of Fire is absolutely the worst. I can't believe... <laughs> That's my top three. I can't believe that makes your top three. Oh, you know what I didn't mention? What? Is the sequence in Deathly Hallows Part 1 of the Deathly Hallows. That might be my favorite, like, 20-minute sequence of the whole series. When um, Hermione is reading the story? Yes. Yeah, that and is really good. And the illustration is super cool. Or the oh, animation. so good. Yeah. And, of course, Babbity Rabbit. <laughs> What's it called? Babbity. I think it's Babbity Rabbit yeah. or something yeah. from, like, the Tales of Beetle the Bard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you like what you just heard, you should subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and also leave us a review because the reviews are what really help us get discovered by people who don't know us. And that helps us because then we have more people listening. Um, And if you really, really like us and you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at and the winner is podcast.